When I started doing stand-up though, it was reluctant because at the time I was a business owner and I was concerned about my image in that business and I didn't know how to merge the two worlds. I go, how do I do this? How do I merge a vulgar world and the business world and how do I do it? And, and the answer was, well, you just do. Just do it. Say what you're gonna say, crack the joke, let that be a part of your deal. And if people have a problem with it, they weren't yours anyway. They're not. Hey, it's Parker with Upbeat. We've got Bryce Prescott on the show today. What's up, man? How you doing, homie? Good to be I'm, here. I'm doing good, man. I'm thankful that you're here with us. You know, you're in Arizona right now, and I know you're a busy dude, so thanks for hopping on a call with me. Well, I'm grateful for the chat, man. We uh, connected last week briefly, and uh, I was like, yeah, dude, this is, this, this is cool. Uh, so I'm thankful for that uh, you gave me a shot. It's cool. Yeah, and that, you know, just to catch up the listeners, that wasn't like just a call either. Usually those are like five minutes and it's, hey, yeah, like you're you're legit. Let's do an episode. But I feel like it was kind of a mentorship call a little bit too. You know, you you shared a lot of really good value with me in what, probably 15 minutes or something. And so I appreciate the value that you shared. And I know that this episode is going to have that too. I'm, I'm glad you received it that way, man. Like uh, being... In the business that I am, sometimes I forget not everybody wants my advice. So you were gracious in, uh, in taking it. And, and so uh, I'm glad that it was received well. I feel like anyone who has the mindset of like wanting to grow and get better should be pretty open to it <laughs> because, yeah. because, you know, people, I mean, what perception is reality. That's kind of the, the common phrase now or a common phrase now. Um, and if you're asking people how they view you or what they, you know, would say about your podcast or something that's a good source of what maybe other people think too. That's a great sort of juxtaposition between two things because on one side, you know, we're discussing that perception is reality. And then on the other side, we're discussing like truly what the opinion is and how it's received and the personal experience that somebody might have with your show. And I think that there's a way to bridge those two things. And that's kind of the whole point, you know, is to maximize perception in a way that allows for the reality of it to come in if that makes any sense yeah well and weighing the the pros and cons to that you know you want to know what others think but you also don't want to live your life for others <laughs> right yeah man that's well, a i mean in the, podcast, in the podcast game we have to be mindful of who's listening i mean the the biggest mistake most podcasters make is when they start a show they don't really think about well who's going to be the person on the other end of this that's going to be my listener they Think about it from their own framework and that they want to say and, and you know, the message they want to put out there, which is great. And that's all important to have that drive and fire. But yeah, you got to pay attention to who's going to plug in and click subscribe, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah. So if the, if there's a listener who doesn't know, know you or about you, um, I like starting with story and I also like kind of starting where someone is now and working backwards a little bit. Okay. Um, so if you don't mind sharing a little bit about yourself, maybe why, you know, I'm coming to you about podcasting stuff because you're kind of a podcast legend, especially in this region. But um, yeah, share a little bit about yourself, what you're up to now, and maybe how you got into that, what you were passionate about. Well, my friend, my legend was forged in the fire of whatever, <laughs> dude. No, um, I'm, I appreciate the compliment there. I, 
I got into podcasting as a podcaster back in 2012, and I was actually in a different career at the time. I was I was actually in Sao Paulo, Brazil, when I got the idea to start my own show. I was I was drunk, and I had a steak in my belly, a wonderful Brazilian steak, and uh, I was I was there because I was a commodities broker. I was let me let me talk about two different worlds, man. I was trying to broker big commodity transactions between massive players in South America and Southeast Asia. And it was high risk, high reward. And uh, we just got burned. And I had this moment where I'm like, dude, I need to, I need to figure out different. I need to learn different. And I need access to people that I don't have access to now. And so I thought to myself, well, how do I get that? And the idea of podcasting had come up because I had listened to podcasts on the pl- flights down and everything. And, um, I came home, started a show, and I went to YouTube University, man. Like I learned how to do everything myself. I produced it myself. I wrote the copy myself. I figured out how to get iTunes approval myself. I did. I mean, it was all a deal. And uh, I'm a curious individual, so I wanted to make sure that I was doing it right and I was doing it as best I could. And I had a couple blind spots, being that I was new to it. But one of the things I'm really grateful for about the experience of just being in podcasting for you know 12 years, basically is that it forces you to become better at telling a story. It forces you to be better at actually like conveying a message and having it be done in an articulate way so that people can receive it. And that just internally has your own sort of process tighten up. I found myself to be a lot more critical of a thinker being exposed to ideas I'm not familiar with because of my experience of podcasting. About five years ago, I had a good buddy of mine um, who's ridiculously successful in his own right. His name's John Madsen. He owns a company called Superhuman, uh, which is a fitness and mindset company for uh, successful entrepreneurs. And he came to me. He said, hey, man, I, I want to pay you to help me start my show. I had become somewhat known as like the guy when it comes to podcast questions. You know, go ask Bryce. He's been in the game a long time. And I never charged for it. I just was helpful. I was even on one podcast where I was interviewed about that and the guy had called me the podcast whisperer. <laughs> I thought that was kind of silly, but yeah, so I, I had this reputation of being helpful in the podcast space and my buddy John comes to me and he's like, Hey man, I need your help starting the show. I need to do it. I need to do it right. I need to make sure it's on point and I want to pay you. And I'm like, uh, and his wife who was really outspoken, she's like, dude, she's, she's trying to give you money. Like what's the holdup here? And that started what has become Media Automated, which is the name of my company that I founded. We produce around 50 episodes a week right now for different entrepreneurs. I've got some pretty lofty goals as far as the production number. I want to 10x that. And I've gotten really, really good at helping people that are in the space of wanting to get their message out, no matter the product, no matter the service that their business has, but helping them to create a show that somebody would want to listen to that actually would be a good client. I jokingly said at the beginning of this that my legend was forged in the fires of whatever. And it's like, it kind of, all of this was forged in fire, man. I've used my own podcast stuff as like a guinea pig. Like I'll go try stuff myself on my own shows. Cause I've had, you know, I'm a stand-up comedian as well. So I have my own comedy podcast. I've had several self-development shows over the years. Um, we did, I, I added it up not too long ago. And if you include all my stuff and you can include everything from every client that I've worked with or helped with, um, we've produced over 12,000 episodes of podcasts in the last five years. Wow. Yeah, dude, that's bananas to me. I was like, how is it? Because that number seemed absurd. I'm like, there's no way it's that many. And I started like 
No, it actually is. Well, it's basically like 12,000 hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or and, more, depending. Yeah. So, I mean, the short version is I kind of know my stuff. I don't know. I kind of yeah. know what's up in this world. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thanks for sharing. And there's definitely like two or three things in there that I, I would want to point out and hyper focus in on. One of them kind of zoomed over it real fast, but you mentioned how you've improved with like critical thinking. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really important thing to bring up because, well, I guess I'm biased. My personal opinion is we lack critical thinkers in today's society. And so podcasting, you know, whether you're a consumer and you're listening to something that's teaching you or whether you're a producer and you're, you know, really taking steps to to build something, uh, you do develop this skill of critical thinking. So I want to ask you, you know, how that's improved over the years and how that's helped you uh, get to where you are right now. So if I understand your question right, how has my critical thinking improved over the years and how has that benefited me with where I'm at now? Okay. Well, for me, I'll I'll just speak for myself. I have a desire to, whenever I'm in front of anybody in in the medium of presenting, I'll say, whether I'm on a podcast as a guest or as a host, whether I'm giving a talk or a speech, whether I'm on stage doing stand-up comedy, I want to be as proficient as possible. And there is a lot of opportunity to learn what that means. There's no new wheel to reinvent here. If you want to become better at speaking and more coherent at sharing a message, there is a ton of really great resources out there that can teach you things like frameworks and can teach you how to tell a better story and can teach you how to remove filler words from your presentation and all that. And I took that upon myself. And as I started doing that, it became very clear to me that no matter what you're in, there is a construction to the thing that you're doing. Meaning that if you're going to be great at podcasting, for example, there is a construction to that. There is a skill set, a foundational skill set that you build. And then you add things on top of that that make it to where you have this great way of presenting and people care. The critical thinking alone that's required to at least acknowledge that and be willing to compartmentalize that for yourself was something that was one of the first things that I looked. I'm like, okay, so wait, how do I do this better? Not making it to be that, you know, I was, it was about me. It was that this was a learnable skill. And that sort of truth has been a part of everything that I do now, which came from a moment where I had to kind of break things apart and think about it critically. There's nothing that doesn't, that you can't learn. There's every, everything has a learnable skill. Sure. There's talent and sometimes the things come easier and whatnot, but you can learn everything and be great at it. If you really are willing to, to, you know, do the work and, and do that. It also helped me being a better critical thinker in the business aspect of podcasting. Because it still is somewhat of like a creative endeavor. The people that get into podcasting are more creatives than they're not creatives. And so you have people that want to share, you know, the good vibes. You have people that want to help people. You have, you know, people that want to tell funny stories. You, you, there, there's a bunch of different types of content that podcasters create. And at the core of it, though, is the need to present well. And so I just kind of started breaking that apart. Well, how do you do that? And for the latter part of your question, how that's affected me is that's the basis of my entire business. 
you know, it's really easy to go out there and find people that'll produce your episode for podcasting. But I have presented myself in the market as somebody that can actually help you increase your brand authority, that can help you to be a better spokesperson for both your product and service, but as well as a host, like developing yourself into a powerful podcast host isn't just showing up and doing reps. It's showing up and doing the right kind of reps and having the opportunities to wrangle in a, a host, a, a guest that's talking too much, how to change a subject in a smooth way, how to control a conversation so that it doesn't feel like it's being controlled and it feels improvisational. All those are learned skills. And so uh, it's given me an edge in the market. I literally don't know anybody that does what I do in the podcast game. Like I, I'm high ticket. You come in with me, I will help you to create the very best possible show that will get your business leads and that will be a authority builder for both you and your business and do it in a way that's hands off so that all you're having to do is sit in front of the microphone in the camera and I handle everything else, or at least my team and I do. All of that breakdown came from the same sort of mindset like, well, how do I, what are the pieces of this? How do I break it apart so I understand what's really happening here? And that started kind of that first moment where I, I looked at podcasting as a learnable skill and with a critical eye was able to figure that out. Love it. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing that. And there's, there's, I feel like that could be a whole episode just breaking down, you know, critical thinking and pros and cons the benefits. Um, one thing that comes to mind for me is just the ability to like not be fooled with BS, you know, they're like, I think, and I think people kind of inherently have a BS meter, but also um, the ability to appreciate more other people, what they do. Like if you're not an expert at that thing, you know that they went through a lot of phases to get to where they're at that you haven't gone through yet. So it just, it gives you really good perspective. I love yeah. that you have that both sides of that perspective because it's, it is true. Like it allows you to know when somebody's not being forthright and that they're kind of full of it. While at the same time, it know, it allows you to know when they are and to really dive into that and to really extract those nuggets for your listener and for yourself as the person interviewing it. Um, and that just comes from awareness. You know, critical thinking has a part of it that is awareness. You just have to be able to see everything before you can think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, discernment kind of. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love that word. Um, so the other thing too that you mentioned earlier was comedy and passion and making that a part of your business and stuff too, or having different businesses. I want to kind of break down like how you first found out what you were passionate about and how passion has, you know, benefited you and how it's helped others as well, how you use your passion to help others. Ooh, that's a good question. Okay. So to start with that, I want to I want to I want to deconstruct what passion is so that we can look at it for what it what it really means and that's and that's how you can tap into it. One of the things I've noticed is that people they get intoxicated by the idea of passion and they think that it has to be this sort of like calling, this all-consuming like oh, I'm so passionate about this thing whatever it is and it drives me through thick and thin to this thing. And sure, that can be moments of that. And it can be something to where you can arrive at that level of just committed, decisive action because you're feeling this passion towards it. But it doesn't, that's not the majority of the time. When I started figuring out what I was passionate about was when I let my guard down. 
when I stopped having to make it so that it was this sort of, you know, religious experience. People say a lot, a lot of times I meet, I meet people a lot where they're like, I don't even know what my passion is. I don't even know what my calling is. I don't know what my purpose is. I mean, I have these interests and I like doing these things, but it doesn't ever feel like it's, you know, I'm made for that or I'm supposed to do that. And that's okay. You know, for me, I found, you know, I, I, I am a professional comedian as well. I've, I've headlined all over the Western United States and, um, I really enjoy telling dirty jokes in dark rooms to strangers. It's kind of fun for me. Uh, I, I do consider it a passion of mine and it didn't start that way though. It started as really a curiosity. I've always been somewhat of a funny kid. When I grew up, I was cracking jokes and I would get in trouble at school for being the smart aleck and all of that. And, and I've always had a quick wit about me and been sharp and, it's never been a challenge for me to get, you know, people that I'm around to laugh, like laugh hysterically. And to, to, I, I feel a lot of power in that, like making people laugh in a, in a weird part of my psyche. I realized that that's, you know, validation in a way. Like I feel like you think I'm a decent person. If I make you laugh, like we have a transaction there in a weird way, which I know isn't the healthiest way to look at it, but a lot of comedians have that feeling. When I started doing standup though, it was reluctant because at the time I was a business owner and I was concerned about my image in that business. And I didn't know how to merge the two worlds of being, you know, a guy that was telling jokes in a dark, dark room saying bad language and all that stuff while at the same time to maintain this sort of public front for my business and doing it in a way that was presentable and, and, you know, appropriate. And I ran across this documentary that just kind of summed it all up for me. One of my favorite comedians, and he was an actor as well before he passed away, is a guy by the name of Gary Shandling. And Gary Shandling is, uh, he's a legend in Hollywood. He was, he was the, uh, the star and uh, creator of a show called The Larry Sanders Show, which was on HBO. And The Larry Shan Sanders Show was one of the very first shows that took upon itself that style that's kind of like the docu-series breaking of the fourth wall type style, like the office or uh, parks and rec. And his was the very first one to do it. He was a hilarious comedian, but he was also a practicing Buddhist and I'm not a Buddhist, but that intrigued me. Cause I'm like, so this guy is like really into peace and meditating and he lives this different life, but yet he's like this savage on stage and he's known by all these people as this savage and he's really funny. And then when you would hear stories about his friends and his friendships, he was well revered, respected. He was very loved. And just hearing his story was like, Oh, that's, I can do that too. Like all of those pieces are me. And I went to my coach at the time and I go, how do I do this? How do I merge a vulgar world and the business world? And how do I do it? And, and the answer was, well, you just do <laughs> just do it. Say what you're going to say, crack the joke, let that be a part of your deal. And if people have a problem with it, they weren't yours anyway. They're not your people anyway. And so I started doing that. I started, you know, I'd go to these open mics and I would write these jokes. And I even started a podcast uh, to chronicle the whole journey. And the podcast ended up being a, an incredible uh, tool for me because it helped me to, you know, create a fan base and have people interested in my journey. And I was able to headline for the first time a year into stand-up comedy. And that's almost unheard of. Like, that's just so fast. And part and part of that was the, the club owner that gave me the shot, he knew I cared. He could see my work ethic. I was always at the club. And he knew I could sell tickets. 
So you combine those things and he had nothing to lose. Like, I'll give this guy a Thursday night. Let's see what's going on. And that's what ended up happening for my first time. It was a beautiful experience because I realized your passion can grow. Like I really enjoyed it. But and there was a part though, like stand-up comedy has a reverse sort of learning curve. It's like for any of you gamers out there, like when you start doing stand-up comedy, it's the same as like going and playing the latest Madden video game on expert mode with having never picked up a controller. There's no easy way. There's no easy mode. You don't have the skills to know what's happening in the crowd. You don't know how to write jokes. You're not good with your stage presence. You're nervous. Like every skill that you need is at its lowest point. And you're not even smart enough in the, in the skills to know how bad you suck most of the time. It can feel very like disheartening to try really hard to make an effort and to not make people laugh. And then you're waiting. Like, cause like, for example, an open mic in some cases is three minutes or five minutes. And so you're sometimes waiting hours upon hours at a time to go up and do a three minute set. And so it, it just got to where it was kind of, it was kind of a bummer. And I considered quitting many times. And a good friend of mine, she says, she goes, well, you've, you've convinced yourself that this is some sort of punishment. So stop being punished. Go because you want to go. And I took a couple of weeks off and just kind of chilled out. And then I ended up going back and it made it to where I started to feel the fun again. But it wasn't until I reached a certain level of proficiency where I was actually able to do an entire hour of material in front of my own crowd to not need notes, to be able to really kind of meticulously finesse where the joke needs to be and to kind of just stretch the, to learn the power and the silence of when you tell a joke, there's a lot of laughter that happens when you're just up there not saying or doing anything. That's when it started to become something that I felt really, really passionate about. I grew into it because I had now a level of proficiency and skill to where I didn't look like an idiot when I was up there. And now, ironically, I realize like how much more I actually need to learn. But I'm at a level now where I just don't look foolish up there and I can actually make it laugh. So, so for me, that passion kind of grew. It, went, it started from an interest that was built upon something that I was already kind of good at being a, a funny kid. And then I reconciled some things inside of me that allowed me to get, remove the barriers of just getting on stage because I didn't want to lose money or have my business suffer because I was doing this thing. I, I will say this is the kind of the resolution of this whole story. Uh, me being so open about being a comedian has actually helped my business in a, in an incredible way. I, as a founder of media automated, I'm now a, a peculiar person to people. They're like, who's this? Like, who, what is he doing? Who is this guy? He does, he does comedy over here at a high level. And he's got this seven figure podcast business. Who's the guy at the helm? And that wouldn't, remotely even be the same if I wasn't a comedian. I would just be another like boring podcast guy that just, no, oh, he can produce your episodes and whatever. Like I, there, there'd be no, I, I led myself following myself to an interest that became a passion and it becomes now entertaining and curious to people to where I actually get business out of it, which is a completely crazy idea, but it is what it is. Right. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> That's a lot to, that to a uh, break down, but it's, if I were to pick two things, I would say one, you know, the importance of embracing our unique characteristics, our things that make us unique, and that's going to be what helps propel us forward. Um, and then two, 
going through the the work and going through the refining process to ultimately be more free and be our best selves is going to be what helps others the most too because we're able to show up for everyone better yeah dude people are looking for permission to go after their dreams and when they see somebody do it it's really inspiring and when you are that person, like I've had some of the most amazing experiences of people coming up to me and thanking me for just following that dream, thanking me for being willing to suck for a little bit. Cause that's what happens. Like anytime you follow your dream, you're starting out as somebody that doesn't have anything yet. And you got to stink for a while. You got to become decent and then okay. And then kind of good. And then, you know, yeah, there's no way around it, but. I, I love that you brought that up. Like people do need, they don't need it, but they want it. They want permission from others. It's a polarizing thing too. Cause a lot of times uh, it can create haters as well, where there's people that don't like my decision to follow that dream and to do that irritated something inside of them because they're not. And then they, you know, point that ire towards me and I'm just Teflon baby. Like, I don't care. I'm sorry. You're mad at me. Like it's so right. stupid. Yeah. And it's crazy too. Cause now more than ever, like we have to kind of put that sucky part in, in the spotlight, you know, and that, but that also is what can motivate people. So you have to have thick skin, you know, you're going to get the haters, who judge you for not being yet or whatever, but you're also going to get the people that are like, Hey, you showed me your whole journey and now I know I can do it too. And yeah. double-edged sword. Um, I get that a lot with beatboxing. You know, um, I was just at an event in Orlando um, and I'm at a, get this case. Okay, so I'm at a dental pod fest conference. So it's a branch off of that big pod fest event that was going on. Mm-hmm. And I was in a room of dentists and I met a chiropractor and the chiropractors from Colorado and told me that my journey saved his son's life. And it is one of those special, special, like full circle things that you know that there's the only thing that can control that is God or the universe, higher power, whatever you believe, um, just stars align. It's like why'd I have to go to Orlando to meet a Colorado chiropractor about this? Like, but it really motivated me because at the time, or, you know, I've been really discouraged about continuing upbeat or continuing to, to really push for this beatboxing stuff. But every time I get close to like not doing it, there's something like that that pops up in my life. That's like, no, you're supposed to keep going along this, this journey, even though it's hard, it's impactful And uh, another thing you mentioned too, with combining, you know, comedy and your business, I've been refining that in me right now. I keep separating myself into compartments, you know, like I'm a beatboxer, period. I'm a speaker, period. I'm a podcaster, period. And as a beatboxing speaker, podcaster, bro, that's what you are. And that's the thing is if you drop the periods, you know, I'm a motivational beatboxer, you know, I'm, I'm both of those things. I'm not just one of those things at different times. And so I'm learning to merge them. And, but I've been doing this podcast for five years and people have followed since day one, when I first announced it on LinkedIn, when I was in college and they will message me and tell, you know, how inspiring it is. And so it's, it's, it sucks. You get the haters, but you also get 
the documented journey, which is awesome. Yeah. I love that for you, man. <laughs> I love to talk I, about myself. I, acknowledge <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't heard you beatbox yet and I'm kind of bummed about it. I didn't, <laughs> we got to figure that out, man. Yeah. Well, when we wrap up here, I'll uh, beatbox your name for sure. I'm excited for that. Perfect. I love um, it. it. Only other questions I really had for you um, since we're wrapping up here was more along uh, faith and also maybe if you could dip into your story a little bit um, that you shared with me on the phone the other day about losing so much and then building back from that and how has how has that affected you and and how has faith played a role in in your journey as well so i i, I referenced at the beginning of our conversation here my work in commodities being that there was the start of me podcasting and that i you know came across the idea to be a podcaster when i was in sao paulo brazil the circumstances surrounding that was i was uh i was I'd recently been diagnosed with testicular cancer and lymphoma and uh, which is weird, dude. Like when, when you realize all of us have a clock on our lives, but it doesn't really feel real until you get older, you know, like when you're in your thirties, the clock's not real, you know? And that's where I was. I was in my thirties and got this horrible diagnosis and, now I started thinking through all the stuff that was really painful. It was like, you know, what am, am I going to get to see my daughter's weddings? Like things like that. And it caused a bunch of financial issues as well, because I had done extremely well in real estate in 2008, 9, 10, and 11. And this was in 2012. And as I shared with commodities, it was high risk, a high reward. Well, I had taken a lot of high risk and gotten no reward. And so I'd burned through a bunch of cash that I'd had. So I was really close to being broke, almost bankrupt at the time. So my health had, Gone, gone to crap. My money was almost gone, pretty much was gone. And that actually played into my decision to get into podcasting because I, I legitimately was at this crux where I felt humbled by life. I had this arrogance that I had figured it out because I had made some money and I had some cool stuff. And then I didn't have money and didn't have my cool stuff anymore. And now I didn't have my health either. And it was just kind of doing all that. Well, that whole process kind of led me to a place where um, I just had to—I just had to look at life differently. I had to—I had to question my beliefs in a way that I'd never done before. Because you know, I'm willing to bet that some of the people that listen to this show are religious, and they have, you know, actual doctrine that they follow from a religion you know, whether it be, you know, Mormons or Catholics or Muslims or whatever, like there's rules, there's, there's, they call them frames. Like you have rules to the religion, right? And those rules, when you live by them are supposed to give you something that is a reward for living the rule. If I, if I, you know, play by God's rules, I should have favor with God. I should have blessing. I should be healed. I should have access to miracles. You know, the whole thing that the scriptures teach and things like that, that the more that you, are in favor with God, the more access to his grace that you have. And when you, for me, when I was facing this clock, I realized a lot of the things I thought I believed, I didn't actually believe. And so I, I did an accounting of it. Like I started writing down 
well, you, you said you believe this. Do you? What do you actually believe? What are your actual beliefs, Bryce? And it led me to a place where I was possibly for the first time ever in my life able to say, like, I know what I believe and I know why I believe it. And that allowed me to approach my health differently. That allowed me to approach God differently and faith and hope and works and charity and all of that. And uh, it was it was a blessing. It was really a blessing because it gave me power. I would I would be in these circles with other people that hadn't done the same thing. And, you know, earlier in this conversation, you talked about when one of the benefits of being a podcaster is that your BS meters is more keen from somebody, you know, yapping at you. Well, I had like a spiritual BS meter. Like I could be around people that were professing belief or whatever. And I knew they didn't like, I could feel that it was just some sort of front or signal, if you will. And that just made me more and more uh, resolute in my own feelings about it. And here I am, you know, all these years later, and I'm finding that I, I took a break from religion. I took a break from God. I did believe in like the universe and things like the law of attraction and the things that they're, you know, vibrational energies and more of a scientific approach to spirit as opposed to a religious one. And they're kind of starting to merge from me now. Like, it's kind of funny. I'm even wearing my sweatshirt that says Yahweh. Like I started going to this church here just to get some more get a little more Jesus in my life, I'll say. And uh, I'm noticing that it's both. It's like, for me, faith is science and science is faith. And God is scientifically provable. And there's different aspects of me believing in that and taking action on that that allow me access to scientifically proven growth and abundance. And I... I don't find myself attracted to any one religion per se, but I find myself because I, I I grew up a Mormon. I went on a Mormon mission. I was uh, I was very heavy in that religion for a long time. When I got divorced, I got excommunicated from that church, and then I even went through the process to be re-entered back into. They call it being rebaptized, and I did that too. And the whole process of seeing that side of things opened me up to where I I wanted to know the God side of it first. Like I didn't. I didn't like these sort of like, like little things like this. I, you know, for example, like in Mormonism, they have a structure set up for, you know, true forgiveness where sometimes there's uh, an ecclesiastical leader that you're supposed to go talk to, to confess your sins. And the part of the act of confession helps to enact the savior's atonement so that you can have access to being forgiven for something that you can't have retribution on yourself. There's no way you can make up for that. Right. And intellectually, I just kept breaking that apart and I'm like, but that doesn't make any sense. Why do I got to go through that guy to go there? I don't understand. And so I started that. I started like, well, I'm going to go right there. And I would talk to God and try to have a different relationship. And it just opened up a bunch of things for me too. Um, I will offer this little nugget for anybody else that might be struggling with this type of stuff themselves. There's a book that I read that was a game changer for me. And it actually introduced me to a version of God that I'd always wanted to meet, which is one of love and not justice. And that was one that was fully merciful and that I could look at as not only my dad, but as my friend. And that really, it's like having a really rich buddy, you know, it's like, dude, my buddy, <laughs> like that was how I look at God. Now it's like this all powerful, omnipotent, you know, he owns, he got everything. And he's my guy. So when I need stuff, I can go to him and he's cool with me. You know, that book is called Conversations with God, book one by an author by the name of Neil Donald Walsh. And that book 
it's a fascinating read because it's written like a screenplay, meaning he's having a conversation with God, like, and God is responding and he's questioning and responding. And when you figure out the backstory in the introduction of the book, it feels divine. I've had very powerful spiritual experiences reading that book and pondering that book and the truth of that book. And so I guess kind of just to wrap all that up, um, you can't ever lose it all because you never, you can't lose it all. You have access to God's love by merely acknowledging that you have access to it. Like it's the simplest thing. And when you allow yourself to feel it, you allow your heart to open up and to feel, feel true love. Like love is a force. Love is an energy. You'll know that. And God is real. I don't have any other sort of quantifiable definition or proof other than, than that. Just he's real to me. I've had some experiences I can't deny and that's okay. And so if he's not real to you, that's fine, but he's real to me. And, uh, all of that has come through, you know, the catalyst for all those growth, unfortunately has been pain, get myself into something where it hurts. And in that pain, I want that to go away. And so I, like I've shared so many times in this podcast already, like I broke it apart. I'm like, well, what are the pieces of this? Where did it come from? What can I control? And here we are. (laughs) Here we are. Hey, appreciate you uh, being vulnerable and sharing that. I know it's going to, I know it's going to resonate with people and they're going to be able to relate to it. So I, I thank you for that. Gladly, my man. I love the flow of what we've talked about today. I've loved your questions. You've been a, a really you know, engaging host. You've allowed me to talk while at the same time been er, in, engaging with me and had your own perspectives there. It's, it's, this has been a fun one for me, Parker. So thank you for allowing me on your show. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I know it's a different energy here at the end, but I'm going to do a beatbox for you. <laughs> Let's roll, buddy. Can't wait. <laughs> Thank you, Bryce Prescott. Dude, that's sick. <laughs> Thank you. That's so sick, dude. I appreciate it. Do you have like a TikTok channel where you do that or anything? I have TikTok and I need to do it more. Um, I I always get stopped up on that too. <laughs> and that could be a whole other thing. Uh, Dude, you could be huge. I, I watched, like it reminds me of there was this guy that I watched. I, I follow him somewhere. I, I know on TikTok, but he was one of those guys. Like he was like that. He just would do these like ridiculous beatbox stuff you know deep (laughs) freak is a sound coming out of a dude like that it was awesome and i got the same vibe from you man i think you should totally do that that'd be a great idea appreciate it man hey and thanks so much for being on upbeat dude for (laughs) sure man (laughs) 